1420 WBSM presents Ray Lance and the USA Wealth Group alongside Phil Paleologos. Get your finances in order. Money Wise starts now. Good Sunday morning, ladies and gentlemen. It is a Sunday because we're with Ray Lance. This is kind of like, you know, uh, coffee goes better with cream and sugar. Sundays go better with Ray Lance and Money Wise. How's that? <laughs> oh, that's pretty inventive and creative, Phil. Good morning to good you. Good morning. And good morning, ladies and gentlemen. And with me uh, by my side today is attorney Michael Coleman. Good morning, good Michael. Morning. Thank good you for morning. Good morning. You know, it is. It's really is a pleasure to be here every week. It's it's a lot of work, and we talk about that once in a while. We put a lot of time and a lot of energy and effort into doing what we do. But I I want to say, Phil, that number one, it really is a privilege to be with you to Likewise. broadcast this show Thank every you. week. And ladies and gentlemen, it's a privilege to be with you also listening. We have so many people who reach out to us. They come in the office, or they'll call in to make an appointment, and they'll say. I'm a radio show fan, and it's always nice to hear that. It is. But I want to turn to a very serious subject because we're going okay. to have a, a great departure from what we normally do. Um, it's a privilege to live in the United States of America. And I think people need to reflect upon that and think about that once in a while. So without becoming preachy, because I don't want to ever do that, today we're going to talk about the United States Constitution as the primary theme for our show. And I have to tell you that one of the reasons for deciding on this topic, first of all, I've thought about it for a while. I've mentioned it to folks in the office that wouldn't it be interesting to do a show because we learned things in school, you know, many, many years ago, and then we forget. Of course. What is the Constitution? Why is it so important? What's the Bill of Rights? When was it first created? Well, the Constitution was signed on September 17th, which happens to be the day the show is being broadcast. It's known as Constitution Day. We're going to talk about that a little bit. And we're going to talk about some of the interesting things that are in the Constitution, some interesting facts about it, the importance of Massachusetts in establishing the Constitution, and how many people went to the convention, how many people signed it, how many people refused to sign it. Um, so lots of really interesting things about the Constitution. And we're also going to talk about why it's important in your life, you, the listening audience. So what really got me started to thinking about doing this show again was a recent article that appeared in the Letters to the Editor. Um, and this was published on September 6th. In the Standard Times? In the New Bedford Standard Times, okay. September 6, 2017. And it was written by a gentleman named Jack Dean from Mattapoisett. So I don't know this person, but Jack, if you happen to be listening, I want you to know that sometimes when you send in a letter to the editor, it has a rippling effect because it made me think, you know, we've been thinking about doing a show on the Constitution for a while. Maybe this would be a good time to do it to coincide with September 17th, which is the uh, day the Constitution was actually signed. So Mr. Dean from Mattapoisett, um, and I can use his name because he put his name in the paper, wrote a very interesting letter to the editor, and it was captioned, Speak Up and Support Constitution Day, September 17. And I thought it was a very well-written letter. So, for example, he says, It is normally observed on September 17, Constitution Day. That was the day in 1787 that delegates to the Constitutional Convention signed the document in Philadelphia. 
And boy, you know, Phil, and ladies and gentlemen, and Michael, this was not an easy thing to accomplish. We need to be very grateful today for the energy and time that our founding fathers, and there's a special definition for that later, put into creating the Constitution. Absolutely. Uh, there were, in some instances, uh, not at the convention here, but in Massachusetts, there were actual fistfights. Yes. Uh, there was real divided opinion about whether to adopt the Constitution or not to adopt the Constitution. And we need to be mighty thankful today that they really got it together and did it. So we're going to talk about the Constitution. And I want to start with my first quote today, which is also mentioned in Mr. Dean's letter. And here's a quotation I want to give you. And this is called the preamble to the Constitution. We, the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general wel welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, do ordain and establish this Constitution for the United States of America. That's probably the most interesting quotation I've ever given on the show. And this is the preamble to the Constitution. And the most important words in this, as they're mentioned in Mr. Dean's letter, are, we the people. Absolutely. This is a document that was not written for corporations. It was not written for states. It was written for the people. And that's the most important thing today that you need to remember about the Constitution. And, of course, one other quotation I'll give, give you from George Washington. He said, the Constitution is the guide which I will never abandon. You know what I call it? What? The instructions yeah. of the United States. You know how you have a model and you have sure. instructions? Mm -hmm. The Constitution are instructions. Exactly. And I wonder how many people listening today realize that we have the shortest constitution in the world in terms of the number of words in it, and it's also the oldest in the world. So every once in a while we talk about the experimental, the experiment of democracy that we have in this country. We have the oldest constitution in the world. And I like to think that it's because of that and because of the energy that went into creating the constitution uh, that we have the country that we have today. So, you know, Mike, when you think about all the problems that everybody sees today, we have problems of uh, gender equality, we have problem of rights for certain groups of people, we have allegations of discrimination, we've had recent incidents of uh, Southern Civil War monuments being torn down because they're racist, we still have a lot of contention. The United States of America is still a work in progress. Right and probably always will be. Right. I mean, a big part of that is because we have freedom of speech. Yes, we you do know, have freedom of speech. We're all free so that we can express our ideas and our beliefs, and that's one of the great things about this country. And you know what we don't have today, unfortunately? We don't have a lot of respectful speech anymore. Mm. We have too many people who abuse freedom of speech. Yes, they have the right to say whatever they choose to say, but they lack manners, they lack yeah. morals, they lack responsibility in terms of how they can present things. You can say things one way or you can say things another way. You've got right. the freedom of speech to do that. But boy, um, sometimes it gets abused. Right. 
A lot of it is social media, I think, is a big thing. People want to get clicks on their tweets and all this stuff, and so they want to put the most divisive thing out there so just so they get attention a lot of times, I think. Maybe. Yeah. Or, or just a lack of respect. Yeah, yeah. A lack of manners. Yeah. Lack of manners, a lack of respect. So we won't dwell on that particular topic because we've got a lot of particular things to discuss today. And um, we're talking about the Constitution today. Our show is brought to you every week by USA Wealth Group. We are located at 352 Fonts Corner Road in Dartmouth. And you can reach us at 508-998-8858. Thomas Jefferson once wrote, It is every American's right and obligation to read and interpret the Constitution for himself. We the people. Mm -hmm. That's who the Constitution was written for. But this was a very difficult process to go through the Constitutional Convention. I am not a historian. I am not a student of history. My wife, uh, Attorney Tenny Lance, is much more a student of history than, than I am. That's mostly what she reads all the time. She likes anything to do with history. Um, I tend to read textbooks and things of that <laughs> nature. <laughs> I don't know if you're going to talk about this, but this, uh, this uh, letter here to the editor talks about a 28th Amendment to the Constitution. Yes, let's talk about that for just a little bit. And the focus of Mr. Dean's letter to the editor and again, thank you, Mr. Dean, for writing this letter. If anybody wants a copy of this letter, by the way, contact uh, me or Mike at our offices, and we'll be happy to mail you a copy of this letter. I think it was a very thoughtful letter, and I think a lot of people ought to uh, read this. Uh, so apparently there's a proposed 28th Amendment to the Constitution, which essentially, according to his language, reaffirms the idea, the notion that protections coming from our Constitution are for individual citizens and not for artificial entities. And so uh, there's important reasons for this because um, money is often being abused now going to corporations who then are influencing political decisions. Mm -hmm. And again, we, we really try to be very much apolitical on this show. I mean, a lot of people feel one way and people feel another way which is exactly what happened at the Constitutional Convention mm -hmm. um, way back in 1787. People were fighting about ideas and policies and, right. and so forth. Mm -hmm. and, um, but and I don't think money in politics is relegated to one side or the other. No, it's not. It absolutely is not. It's, it's, uh, you know, we, we should have a country in which uh, people are able to make decisions and vote and decide on how the country is run. Not institutions that amass large sums of money and then make, you know, unduly influence uh, a few individuals trying to unduly influence yeah. elections. You both hit on a very important topic. Nowadays, for everyday citizens to get things through, it's almost impossible. Yes, it is. It's a very tough task. Well, what Mr. Dean points out in his letter also is that in Massachusetts right now, there were two... Uh, related initiatives underway to uh, accomplish this kind of an amendment. And we're going to talk a little bit later about the importance of Massachusetts and the history of creating the Constitution and creating the Bill of Rights and who signed it and who didn't sign it. So there's an act in Massachusetts called the We the People Act. And it's going through the Massachusetts legislature right now. It's a basically a petition to Congress to amend the Constitution 
Um, there's also a related entity. Let's see if I can find the name of it. Uh, I'm not sure if I can put my fingers on that one real quickly. But um, American, American Promise? Yep, there's social a social action, action group called American Promise is trying to accomplish the same goal of passing this 28th Amendment by going directly to the people and establishing a citizens commission in Massachusetts. So these things are happening in Massachusetts. This is, in many ways, democracy in action, when you think about it. And um, Mr. Dean is encouraging people to call uh, members of Congress, state legislatures, uh, legislators, and ask them for their support of the 28th Amendment, which gives power back to the people by controlling the impact of money in our election process. So we've had recent uh, Supreme Court decisions, for example, that essentially say that um, companies can contribute money. Well, companies are sort of in an unfair position, aren't they, when you think about it, compared to the average citizen. They can take thousands of dollars, millions of dollars, and try to influence elections one way or the other. So this is an act that would prohibit those kinds of organizations, this proposal, from being able to contribute money. It's, again, we the people that should be doing the contributions. Um, Mike, maybe you might want to say just a word about our uh, upcoming seminars that we have this uh, the following Saturday, following this show. Yeah, we do have a seminar on Saturday, September 23rd. That's going to be at the Smith Mills Congregational Church at 11 Anderson Way in Dartmouth. It's going to be at 10 a.m. again on Saturday, September 23rd. If you want to sign up, give us a call at 508-998-8800, or you could register online at lancelawinc.com. And we'll be talking about uh, state planning, and Ray will be there talking about retirement planning and mm -hmm. um, nursing homes. So please feel free to sign up. So give a call. We'd love to see you there, and it's an opportunity for you to learn something to protect your own family and protect your own money. Call the office. Call the office. Yes. Mm -hmm. 508-998-8800. Or if you want to call, there's a toll-free number as well, 1-866-998-8858. So we all know about July 4th, Independence Day, 4th of July. That's the date that the Declaration of Independence was signed. And I think everybody knows about that. What most people don't know about and don't think about is Constitution Day, which is September 17th. It's not a national holiday, but it's been recognized um, by our country and by our government as a uh, national day of recognition. Um, so think about that on Sunday, September 17th, when this show is being broadcast. And actually, it wasn't until May of 2005, a short time ago, that the United States Department of Education announced the enactment of a law that would uh, provide uh, federal funds for people to be able to learn more about the Constitution. We need to learn about the Constitution. And by the way, we can provide a copy if anybody wants to contact our office, or you can go online and get it. So Constitution Day is September 17th, and it's not a holiday. We don't go out and have parades on Constitution Day. You know, the most important thing I learned when I was preparing for this show, uh, ladies and gentlemen, is what a fragile process it was that allowed us to have our Constitution in the first day, in the first place. I mean, our delegates to the Constitutional Convention were arguing and fighting 
There were two distinct camps. There were the Federalists. There were the Anti-Federalists. And when the Constitution was adopted, um, the reason that it was uh, so contentious is because it did not contain a Bill of Rights. So if you think about the time, um, 1787, and this is well after we declared our independence, but we had individual states running their individual states. We didn't have a national form of government. So the Constitutional Convention uh, was established, as I mentioned in the preamble, to provide for the common defense, uh, the common good, and so forth. But at the Constitutional Convention, there was great dissension and great disagreement on how this ought to be done. There were 70 delegates named to the Constitutional Convention. Um, only 55 people were there present who actually participated in this, so some people just didn't show up. And then of the 55 people who were there, only 39 people actually voted to adopt the Constitution. So that's almost just slightly over half the delegates that were originally invited or named to go to the convention. So think about just that fragile, little, small amount of people, barely a, mon a majority of the people who were originally named as delegates adopted our Constitution. If you really think about it, you can, you can see why it would be controversial. We came, you know, they came here from England to get away from, you know, some sort of power the, the king. over there, the king, yep. and then we come here and now we're saying we want to create a new power and mm -hmm. take away um, power from the individual states. Yep. So I can see why it would have been controversial. Some wanted to uh, stay loyal to that king. Yes, a lot of people did. Uh, so in some ways it's, it's a minor miracle, but it also reflects a lot of hardworking people who created our Constitution. So don't take the Constitution for granted ever. Um, it is something that was born in controversy. Uh, we're fortunate that we have it. So the main purpose of the Constitution was to set out three different branches of government. And that's where our three different branches of government come from. We have the legislative branch, which consisted of the House of Representatives and the Senate. And just a few short paragraphs describe how this is to be created. Uh, and it talks about the organization of Congress. And the powers granted to Congress included, for example, the power to borrow money on the credit of the United States to provide for a Navy, a post office, and so forth. Um, I think it was Ben Franklin, by the way, that invented the first post office in Philadelphia. But this created a national post office. Mm -hmm. There are also a, a listing of powers forbidden to Congress. Um, no bill of attainder or ex post facto law. Bill of attainder means you can't just go and lock up somebody without due cause and, and so forth. And again, as Mike was pointing out, think of the context of, of when this happened. We had a king of England who had absolute authority and his soldiers could march in. There were no rights. They could just barge into your house, arrest you and take you out, not even give you a trial and hang you if they thought you did something wrong. That's scary. <laughs> Well, that was the state. That's the backdrop of the Constitution. So there's a whole series of powers uh, forbidden to Congress, including no tax shall be laid on articles exported from any state. Um, the right of habeas corpus shall not be suspended. You have to have a reason to go out and arrest somebody. Uh, these are things, Mike, that you learned about in law school. Then we have the executive branch, which consists of a president and a vice president. 
Then we have the judicial branch. So from the basic constitution is where we get the three branches of governments. Then it talks about the relationship of the states to each other. Um, and then it talks about the supremacy of the national government. So what the Constitution did not have, it did not have a Bill of Rights. And so roughly half of the members of Congress didn't think this, of the Constitutional Convention, did not think this was necessary, but at least half of the members felt that a Bill of Rights was essential uh, because the rights that they were deprived of by the King of England they wanted to make sure that that wasn't going to happen again in our country. Right. So the Bill of Rights, it wasn't exactly an afterthought, but yet it came about because, all right, these delegates to the convention, creating this document for the first time, signing it, it still had to be ratified by all the individual states who had sent delegates to the Constitutional Convention. And there was great concern that if the document did not somehow contain a Bill of Rights that the states weren't going to pass it and it would never get ratified and that was really the genesis of creating the Bill of Rights. So there were 13 states that sent delegates um, or nominated delegates. Alexander Hamilton from New York for example. In Massachusetts we had Rufus King and Nathaniel Gorham. Gorham. Um, so a lot of the people that were involved in the Declaration of Independence weren't necessarily there at the Constitutional Convention. Um, there were some people, um, I'm going to forget their names, but I'll find it out in a minute, who were overseas at the time trying to establish the fact that we were a country that other nations could trade with. So for the most part, there were different kinds of people. Um, I was just looking quickly for Pennsylvania. Ben Franklin was a delegate to the Constitutional Convention, but a lot of the names that you see in the Constitutional Convention are not names that you would typically recognize as being significant historical figures, you know, with the exception of Alexander Hamilton, uh, Ben Franklin, um, Pickney from South Carolina, and a few others. So, again, very interesting process that this went through. And I want to read you a quotation from... Eldbridge Jerry from Massachusetts. I'm not sure if his name is pronounced Gary or Jerry, G-E-R-R-Y. He was a Massachusetts delegate. Um, I am exceedingly distressed by the proceedings of the convention, being almost sure they will lay the foundation of a civil war. Um, wow. And how prescient was that to yeah. make that kind of a statement back in 1787? And uh, look what happened later. But the uh, convention, um, the, the most important thing I think we want to talk about today is the uh, Bill of Rights. Mm. And what does that mean? Because that's what people think of for the most part when they think of the Constitution. Right. Typically, folks don't think of, oh, well, the Constitution created the executive, the legislative, and the judicial branches, which is really what the basic part of the Constitution did. Okay. So um, we're going to be talking and continuing to talk about the Bill of Rights in particular when we come back. I do want to remind folks that we're doing a seminar on uh, Saturday, September 23rd. It's at 10 o'clock in the morning. It will be for about an hour and a half. It's going to be at the Smith Mills Congregational Church, 11 Anderson Way in Dartmouth, right behind the fire station that's on Route 6. 
Um, so if you'd like to attend, give a call. You can call 508-998-8800. We'd be happy to register you and learn how to protect your family and your money. Stay tuned, please. We'll be right back. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to MoneyWise. Every Sunday morning, MoneyWise brings you uh, information that will show you how to protect your family and protect your money. And um, with us this morning, uh, besides myself and Phil, is attorney Michael Coleman. So welcome back, Michael. Good morning. Good to be here. Thank you. Uh, I'm going to try not to do all the talking. I've been doing most of the talking. I apologize. But, um, you know, we are so fortunate, the three of us in the studio right now, all of you listening, we are so fortunate to live in the country that we live in. We're so fortunate that we had people several hundred years ago who had the foresight to create the Constitution that we live under, and then just as importantly, the Bill of Rights. So we're going to be talking more of the second half about the Bill of Rights and what does the Bill of Rights mean? I bet a lot of people out there know some some of the Bill of Rights, but they don't even know it, maybe. So, Michael, we talked about this before. What is the Bill of Rights? The Bill of Rights is the first ten amendments or articles to the Constitution. It's that simple, isn't yes, it? Yes, it is. So if somebody says, what's the Bill of Rights? Say, well, it's the first ten amendments to the Constitution. Right. Mm-hmm. It's that simple. Yeah, and those are the main ones that people know about um, but don't necessarily know that they know about them. Uh, you talk about it all the time, and we'll talk about it more today, I guess. So have you heard of the term founding fathers before? Well, founding fathers is a designation for the men who sat down as delegates, the 55 delegates who actually drafted the Constitution, um, are among the men known as the founding fathers of the new nation. Uh, By the way, Thomas Jefferson, I was thinking of before, was the minister to France during the time of the convention uh, he wasn't present, but he said that the delegates to the Constitutional Convention were an assembly of demigods. <laughs> and by the way, Rhode Island refused to send any delegates to the Constitutional Convention. Hmm. Little known interesting fact for those of you who are listening from Rhode Island. But um, anyway, there was a motion made on September 12th of that year in 1787 to proceed to adopt the motion. That motion was put forth by Eldridge Jerry from Massachusetts. And the first motion to adopt the Constitution was defeated by a unanimous vote of the state delegations. And there was concern, as I said, because it didn't include certain rights and so forth, and then there needed to be more discussion about that. I wonder and at some point someone's going to say the Founding Fathers is a sexist term. Uh, it is, but it's totally accurate. And we're going to actually talk about that because yeah. one of the amendments to the Constitution, Michael, yeah. is what? One of the amendments? I don't know where you're going with this. Okay. One? one of the amendments to the Constitution gave women the right to vote. Oh, right. And oh, that was yeah. adopted in 1920. Right. Suffrage. Yeah. Women's right to vote was mm-hmm. granted by an amendment to the Constitution only in 1920. That's amazing. We have not yet reached 100 years with women having the right to vote. Yeah. So we didn't have any founding women at the time. No, we had founding fathers because, boy, if you think that we're a gender sexist <laughs> society today, you should have seen it back then. Yeah. It was, I'm sure uh, there were plenty of women involved in their lives that were helping them and you know, supporting their families while they were at this convention. 
So of the uh, 55 delegates who attended the convention, 13 delegates left before it was completed, and three people refused to sign the Constitution, one of whom was from Massachusetts, Eldridge Jerry, actually refused to sign the document. I wonder why. Well, he refused to sign it primarily because it, um, uh, it didn't focus on having a Bill of Rights, for one thing, uh. and later... Um, he proposed something. He wrote an anti-federalist tract called Honorable Mr. Jerry's Objections, went through 46 printings. It was an essay and particularly focused on the lack of a Bill of Rights. So his was a protest vote. So here's Massachusetts right from the beginning saying our, one of our two delegates, Mr. Jerry, refused to sign it saying doesn't have a Bill of Rights, so I'm not going to support it. Yeah, I could see that. I mean... You know, it's like signing a contract without having all the terms in the contract and hoping that later on the parties can agree to something else. Right. So the, the people who are known as the Federalists basically wanted the Constitution just as it was written, and they were pretty much opposed to having a Bill of Rights. The Anti-Federalists wanted to have a Bill of Rights, and later their wisdom won out, so we have a Bill of Rights today. But Right after the Constitution was signed on September 17, 1787, then there started to be concern about is there going to be enough support throughout the states to ratify the Constitution? Mm -hmm. And because of that fact, then there was more focus on creating the Bill of Rights. I'm not going to go into a lot more of the history, but the history is uh, really interesting. Uh, Samuel Adams from Massachusetts, John Hancock from Massachusetts, were previously in the Federalist camp. They didn't want a Bill of Rights. Mm. But later, there was something called the Massachusetts Compromise. They agreed to ratify the Constitution in Massachusetts on the condition that it also include the con uh, amendments, which we now call the Bill of Rights. Mm. And um, there are some really important things that we're going to talk about. I'll just mention one very quickly. Um, one of the proposed amendments included the requirement for a grand jury indictment in capital cases. This was not present under King George, um, and that became part of one of the other amendments later. So that's pretty much what I want to say about the history of this, yeah. but the history is fascinating. Um, I think it's going to uh, cause me to go back and do more reading because it's a fascinating history. And by the way, um, well, let's just jump right in and talk about the Bill of Rights. I yeah. think we need to do that. Mike, let's, give your, to, let's yeah. give your phone number as well okay. where people can reach you. 508-998-8800 or 1-866-998-8858. Um, I was thinking to myself, why would someone not want to sign a Bill of Rights? Why would they not want a Bill of Rights? I guess one of the things that I was thinking about is if you set forth in writing certain rights, then what about other rights? Does that mean that people don't have those certain rights? Mm -hmm. So I think one of the amendments actually includes, you know, language that I guess we'll talk about in a moment, saying that basically the rights set forth in the Constitution are here, but other rights are also retained by the people as well. Yes, and also by the states. In fact, there's a specific amendment that says those rights not specifically granted uh, to the people are reserved to the states. And that's why we have states' rights today. When you hear about, well, states can do certain things and the federal government can do certain things. Right. And it's really a complicated puzzle to sort out, even when you're going back and studying this, and even against the backdrop of you and I having law degrees and mm -hmm. you know learning about a lot of this stuff. But I want to give you one more 
quick summary of, of, of this, and that is one of the main points of contention between the Federalists and the Anti-Federalists was the issue of uh, a lack of a Bill of Rights would place uh, specific limits on government power. So the Federalists said the Constitution did not need a Bill of Rights because the people in the states kept any other powers not given to the federal government. But the Anti-Federalists held that a Bill of Rights was necessary to safeguard individual liberty. Hmm. So yeah. ladies and gentlemen, if you have individual liberty today, which we all have, it's primarily because we have a Bill of Rights. Right. One of the issues that just comes up the top of my head um, when it comes to states' rights and federal rights is the marijuana issue that's going on these days. Sure. Certain states are voting to make marijuana legal. Um, it's still against the law for federal purposes. Yeah, very good point. Basically, Barack Obama at some point said, we're not going to prosecute, we're not going to go after these states. Um, and now that's sort of up in the air again, I think. Well, it's still a federal crime yeah. to smoke marijuana, possess marijuana. It's a federal crime. Yeah. But numerous states have said it's now permitted in this state. Right. So, I don't know. One of the interesting things I heard at some point, I was at a, a talk about marijuana, and an interesting thing is that these um, places that sell marijuana basically have to do everything by cash. And they can't put money in the bank because the banks are oh, that's interesting. Federal, you know, that's right. Federal guaranteed, so it's you know it's still a touchy subject. Oh yeah, oh that's that's well that's interesting because if you put something on a credit card, yeah. um, then you're using interstate commerce, you're using the internet, and yeah. interstate commerce is regulated by the federal government. Mm -hmm. So I hadn't yeah. hadn't known that. Very interesting fact. <laughs> so get your cash up, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, that's it. I guess that's right. is the answer. Well, the interesting thing is, and it's, it's really fascinating when you think about it, we have state laws and states' rights, and we have federal laws and federal rights, and we live under right. a two-government form of system, if That's you think right. about it. Yep. But uh, thank God we have the uh, Bill of Rights. Let's talk about the First Amendment to the Constitution. Congress shall make no law respecting the establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or of the right of people peaceably to assemble or to petition the government for a redress of grievances. Mm -hmm. You can demonstrate, you can have free speech, you can put things in the paper if the paper will print it. Um, you can peaceably assemble. We've certainly seen a lot of that lately. <laughs> you know. And there are some limitations on this, aren't there? So one of the cases we learned about uh, in constitutional law, for example, Michael, is a constitutional, a, a, a Supreme Court case which said freedom of speech does not give you the right to yell fire in a crowded theater. Right, exactly. If there is no fire. Puts other people in danger. Right. Uh, you can't endanger other people's lives with your speech. So that makes sense, right? But the First Amendment is a very powerful amendment. People think that they're all separate amendments. That This gives um, freedom of religion, freedom of speech, freedom of the press, freedom of the right to assemble. Uh, amendment number two has been very controversial in our country, hasn't it? Second Amendment. Phil, sure. you know what that one is even before looking at a piece of paper, don't you? <laughs> yes. Guns. It's the right to arm bears. <laughs> I mean, no, it's, it's the right to bear arms. <laughs> As in sleeveless. That's uh, right. <laughs> but again, thinking back to King George's time, um, People were not supposed to have weapons, but they did. They went hunting, for example. That's how they got food. Yeah. Um, 
But whenever the British government could, they restricted the right to arms. So yeah. one of the great concerns was that government should never become so powerful that people couldn't have arms if they needed to right. to oppose the government. I, I think a lot of people now think about it a little bit differently back then. Oh, yes. Um, there was a need for weapons to protect themselves from the government. Um, now they see it a little bit differently that maybe we don't need guns anymore because we don't have this um, divisive uh, uh, relationship with the government. Right. So that's definitely a controversy these days. Well, there's a lot of different thinking about it. Obviously, um, there are organizations devoted to the right to bear arms, the National Rifle Association, for example, very powerful lobbyists in Congress. Mm -hmm. But most of Congress, you know, supports this right as well. And, and the way that this is worded is really very interesting. A well-regulated militia, think of National Guard, being necessary to the security of a free state, comma, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. So should this be interpreted as the right of the militia to keep arms? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But this has certainly been interpreted over the years and still is today as the right of individuals also to sure. keep and bear arms. Uh, an and after that comma, after free, free state may have cleared things up. Yes. And the right of the people <laughs> to keep and bear arms. But, but the, this one-sentence discussion of the right to bear arms has been the source of much litigation, argument, discussion, mm -hmm. lobbying, and so forth. And there are certain guns that people can't have these days. Am I correct? I mean, they can't have... Yes. You can't have automatic... Assault weapons. Yeah. You can have um, semi-automatic weapons, and I've done some training, and we've had some people uh, do some training courses on weapons um, occasionally in our office so that people could receive their license. Uh, my son Peter has helped to organize some of those. Um, and, of course, a lot of people uh, have are veterans and have served in the military and know how to handle weapons, and it's just a natural thing. A lot of people still like to hunt. A lot of people need to hunt for food. People want to protect themselves. Yeah. People want to protect themselves. Yeah. I mean, should there be licensing for weapons? I've, I think so. Mm -hmm. And just recently in Boston, there's shootings right on the Boston Common, right in front of Emerson College. Really? And it was just like the, the Wild West. It was yeah. fortunate that nobody was hit. Jeez. So they need to be regulated in some fashion. Our Amendment number three, uh, Bill of Rights, says, No soldier shall in time of peace be quartered in any house without the consent of the owner, nor in time of war, but in a manner to be prescribed by law. And again, King George sent his troops over and took over people's houses and said, We need, a, we need barracks for our soldiers, and they just put them in the houses. So that's a direct response to the way the British government treated mm -hmm. the citizens in our country. Uh, how about Article 4, Mike? You want to mention that one? Sure. The right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated, and no warrants shall issue but upon probable cause, support, supported by oath or affirmation, and particularly describing the place to be searched and the person or things to be seized. So mm -hmm. no unreasonable search and seizure. Right. And there have been a lot of tests of that over the years because there have been instances when, well, think of it this way. Yes, we want to protect ourselves from criminals, but how about if somebody gave an address for your house instead of the house next door, and in the middle of the night 
all of a sudden your door comes crashing down and people come charging in and hauling you out of your bed um, and they've got information wrong and they're looking for something that could be an unreasonable search and seizure. Right. Uh, that's maybe not the greatest example, but... Um, the idea of probable cause has always been, you know, what is probable cause? What constitutes probable cause? That's always been an issue with in the courts. So um, when it comes to pulling someone over, what's the probable cause for pulling someone over? Uh, does it have to be that they didn't use their blinker on a certain turn? Um, so, yeah, mm -hmm. that's a, always been an issue. Right. The Fifth Amendment to the Constitution, by the way, is what's called the Due Process Clause, that um, you can't be held for a capital crime. Um, you can't, be, unless you go through a, a grand jury indictment process. And that's what the, that's what the grand jury serves uh, today. Uh -huh. People will say, well, why does, why does some cases go to a grand jury and other cases don't? Well, it's in our Bill of Rights in the Constitution. If you are being charged with and prosecuted for a uh, capital crime, like murder, for example, it has to go through a grand jury indictment process first. And I've never done criminal law, so I don't know a lot about that topic. I haven't either. But one of the, the other parts of this Amendment 5, the Fifth Amendment, is that private property can't be taken for public use without just compensation. A lot of times right. we hear about cities taking people's lands because maybe they need to build a highway or they need right. mm -hmm. you know, some sort of... Um, eminent domain. Eminent domain, yeah. exactly. And people, sometimes they fight about it. So you see a, a little tiny house in the middle of an industrial <laughs> area because mm -hmm. they didn't want to give up their property. Right. An article, or I should say Amendment uh, 6, is the right to a speedy trial, the right to have a jury trial, a, a trial of your peers... Uh, that's important. Um, and um, I'm sorry, I'm, Article 7 is actually doing that. Article 8 says, Excessive bail shall not be required, nor excessive fines imposed, nor cruel and unusual punishments inflicted. We don't torture people in this country. But a lot of times people are really offended because a judge puts out a low bail on something. Right and immediately jump to the conclusion, well, why didn't you put on a larger bail and keep this person in jail where they belong? Well, they haven't had a trial yet, for one thing. And so what if every judge said, oh, you know, you were arrested for marijuana, $100,000 in bail, stay in jail. Right. So you can't have excessive uh, fines or excessive bail imposed. And a lot of times the bail will be based on maybe they have a previous criminal record or you know, other circumstances, if they're a danger, you know, it depends on the crime. Mm -hmm. um, if they want to keep them in jail because they were accused of murder, <laughs> that's as opposed to drug possession, that's definitely right. a consideration. The uh, Ninth Amendment to the Constitution says that um, certain rights, as they're enumerated in the Constitution, shall not be construed to deny or disparage any other rights retained by the people. So again, by the people for the people is really important. And uh, lastly, Amendment 10, and these are the first original 10 amendments to the Constitution, uh, which also are the Bill of Rights. Powers not delegated to the United States by the Constitution, nor prohibited by it to the states, are reserved to the states respectively, or to the people. So the whole focus of this is we the people, for the people, by the people, and that's really important. So again, the Bill of Rights is really important. A lot of people don't understand that the Bill of Rights really are just nothing more than the 
10 First Amendments to the Constitution. So, Michael, have there been more amendments to the Constitution there, since the Bill of Rights? There have been many more. Yep. Another, another as, 17. As we mentioned, there's a 28th now uh, being proposed. So, yeah, there have been 17 more so far. So there have been lots and lots of amendments to the Constitution. Uh, I'm going to just mention some of them really quickly. Um, let's see, I need to go to the 11th. Uh, suits against state number 12 talks about the election of the president in uh, the electoral college. Number 13th is a very important historical amendment to the Constitution. It's the prohibi prohibition against slavery or involuntary servitude. This was passed, if I recall, in 1865, right after the conclusion of the Civil War. And basically it said that um, you cannot have slavery in the country. Uh, the right of citizens to vote shall not be abridged. Um, if you have 15 available, let's talk about that one for a second. I have just a quick summary of it in my hand. Uh, here we go. About the uh, African males? Yeah. 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 Being guaranteed the right to vote. So African-American males were guaranteed the right to vote, and race, color, or previous condition of servitude could not be used as a reason to refuse anyone the right to vote, except for women. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Jeez. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, Article 16, I think, was later repealed. I'm not sure. Congress shall have the power. Oh, no, I'm sorry. This one is not repealed. Congress shall have the power to lay and collect taxes on incomes. It's amazing to think that there was no income tax That's for a right. long time in this country. Well, there was a point in our history when there was no income tax. Sure. Um, other articles deal with the election of senators. Uh, article 18, 18 interesting. was interesting. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about Article 18 for a minute. All right. This uh, prohibited alcoholic beverages in right. the United States. Manufacture, transportation, and sale of alcoholic beverages was prohibited. Uh, that was later repealed. I'm trying to find the one that repealed it. But that was during was Prohibition. 21, 21 repealed it. So the Act, uh, the Prohibition Act, was in the 20s in this country. Mm -hmm. And alcohol was prohibited. And think about who the main people who were in favor of banning alcohol were in this country. It was the ladies. The women were out picketing and carrying signs and demonstrating against alcohol. And they were they didn't have the right to vote at that point in time. Yet they were successful in having an amendment to ban the sale of alcohol. They were tired of having their husbands come home drunk. <laughs> and then uh, shortly after this, the next amendment to the Constitution, uh, 1920, the right to vote cannot be denied because of a person's sex. Um, today they might say gender, but instead of that word, but so there have been, uh, this is a living document. The Constitution is a living document. There's a proposed 28th Amendment circulating around right now. And um, some, they're all important amendments to the Constitution. That's 27 is interesting, too, I think. Go ahead. Congress may pass a law increasing their salaries. That's nice. <laughs> May, may pass a law increasing yeah, their salaries? May pass a law increasing Boy, that was salaries. a mistake. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. But cannot collect it until after there has been a federal election. Wow. Well, what happened in uh, 1787 after the Constitution was first adopted, a letter went out by George Washington, who had been um, elected the um, president of the uh, Constitutional Convention, he had 14 handwritten copies of the Bill of Rights made 
and circulated uh, a little bit later. So some really some fascinating things that took place during that time period. Mm -hmm. um, I urge everybody to take a little time to study your Constitution and study your Bill of Rights. You can get all this information on the Internet. Um, I'd like to remind everybody to please take a few moments and call um, Mike or call me if you want like more information. Call to come to one of our seminars on Saturday, September 23rd at 10 o'clock in the morning. We're doing a special educational workshop at Smith Mills Congregational Church, 11 Anderson Way. It's right behind the fire station on Route 6. And it's called Protect Your Family and Your Money, What You Must Know About Retirement and Estate Planning. Call 508-998-8858, and they would be happy to make a reservation for you. On September 17th, 1787, George Washington had a letter already uh, from the Federal Convention President to the President of Congress transmitting the Constitution. And um, he signed it with great respect. We have the honor to be, sir, your excellency's most obedient and humble servants. Signed by George Washington, President by unanimous order of the Convention. His Excellency, the President of Congress. A lot of history took place during that time. Very, very this, interesting show. This is what created our country, our Constitution. Celebrate it, read something about it, learn something about it. And if we can help you, give us a call. Michael, thank you yeah. for being on the show thank with us. Thank you for having me. Phil, thank you for your input. Always a pleasure. And it's been a lot of fun. You bet. Have a wonderful day, ladies and gentlemen.